Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend, the moon to my earth, is Eric. Hello, Eric. I can't wait to crash into you. (laughs) (laughs) Or should I say, fall into you. Yes, yes. I think you're teasing the title of the movie that we watch for this episode, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, how are you doing? Did you? I'm, good. Uh, I'm a little bummed that we decided to move off of our John Pogue, the Pogue cast, but I yes. think I'm okay with our selection of uh, this episode's movie. Okay. Yeah, I agree. The Pogue cast would have been pretty epic, but you know, we, can beow, 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 Pogue cast. <laughs> we can save that for season whatever. <laughs> I just can't believe I wasted like 57 hours of my life watching every single cut of the skulls and rollerball and U.S. Marshals. <laughs> I mean, was it really a waste? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, unequivocally, yes. Well, we'll get back to John Poke, but in the meantime... Back to or back at? <laughs> both. <laughs> we want revenge. <laughs> this is new. Now the podcast... It's wasted taking, my life! <laughs> we're getting revenge on all the people that made bad movies. <laughs> Roland Emmerich, we're coming for you next. <laughs> yes. So speaking of Roland Emmerich, well, our, the, our podcast is continuing the same sort of thing we always do, where we pick a movie, we watch it together... And then we each watch a movie inspired by that film. And we're just going to get right into it this episode because I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. The movie, <laughs> I hear a sigh. The movie that we watched for this episode is Moonfall 2022, directed by Roland Emmerich. The moon has been knocked off its axis and is heading towards Earth. Some sort of strange entity has made the moon its home, altering its orbit. The only thing that can stop it is a disgraced asteroid. <laughs> no, sorry, a disgraced. <laughs> I mean, that would be better. <laughs> I know, right? It's like a there's disgraced... just this sad asteroid <laughs> ambling around space. Yeah, it's a disgraced lost its, uh, lost astronaut, its tail. the impromptu head of NASA, and a conspiracy theorist with a completely absurd batshit theory that the moon is a giant structure made by aliens. As the moon approaches, the planet falls into chaos. Our heroes have barely enough time to launch a spaceship all by themselves. Their plan? To attract the strange creature and destroy it. Meanwhile, millions of years ago, there is an alien race that has created a powerful AI. The powerful AI is turned against its creator, and fast forward, fast forward, it turns out the conspiracy theory is right. The moon is a structure made by aliens, and now our heroes have to fight the AI murder bots inside the moon because, fast forward, fast forward, they win. John Bradley is part of the moon now. As it should be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh, God. What did you think of Moonfall? That was a much more interesting synopsis than what we actually watched because that whole backstory isn't revealed until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. I know. It comes out of nowhere where they it just It is pause. just an exposition <laughs> dump. And I was mm-hmm. thinking like the way you described it is how the movie actually should have been. Mm-hmm. Of them like discovering these things as the moon malfunctions instead of like flying into the hollow moon. In right. yes, this movie, the conspiracy theorists win and everything we know is wrong, even though it makes no sense because this movie is aggressively and insultingly stupid. Yes. 
It really is. And not just on the big picture way that we just described, but even on the little details. There's just so many dumb things that happen in this movie. <sighs> do you I like do you... So you know what my favorite part of this movie is on the mm-hmm. second viewing in less than two months? What's that? Because I watched this on a plane from uh, <laughs> California to Michigan when I was just like basically being held hostage by, you know, the TV, the little TV on the seat in front of me. Right. My favorite thing on this second viewing is noticing how people are always talking shit about Patrick Wilson's character as he's trying to save the world. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. He's really like gets the short end of it for this movie. And I get that he kind of became a, a fuck up after he was like framed or whatever by NASA. The movie opens with an accident in space where these like this nanobot swarm um, destroys like their space shuttle and uh, Patrick Wilson's character, Brian Harper and Halle Berry's character, Jacinda Fowler survive uh, when another member dies and he like gets the space shuttle down and everything's fine, but he gets framed for it. Right. It was I'm very so strange confused over whether NASA knew what happened or not. I they think seem they to have no interest in the truth. Yeah, for reasons I don't understand, and Mm -hmm. then they never deal with the problem. Right. It's Um, like, oh, yeah, there's a strange phenomenon that killed an astronaut, but we'll just not worry about it. We're fine. Yeah. (laughs) So he, like, gets kicked out of NASA and becomes basically, like, a loser. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite lines early in the movie is his son, like, they have to move to New Jersey. And he goes, I hate New Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> yes. like his like, little 10 year old kid who also becomes a loser because of this whole thing right. but um uh, you know his wife ends up remarrying uh, michael pena's character whose name i can't remember mm-hmm. and you know there's one scene where uh michael pena is asking the son like where's your dad and he's like he's in space up there trying to stop this and he goes oh that's one way to get out of paying rent and i'm like <laughs> What? what i know what is this <laughs> and there's so many mo- moments that's the only specific one i remember but there are so many people making comments about patrick wilson's character as mm-hmm. he's trying to save the earth right and you're just like what is your problem <laughs> there are so many people saying things like we have to get to safety and it's like the moon is crashing into the earth there is no safety what are you talking about? <laughs> I know. And they make a big deal about these characters getting to safety because we know as the audience that they're going to save the earth, you know, right at the, at the last moment, of course, but it's almost like the characters know that as well. Yeah. It's like, what, what safety? What are yeah. you, what are you, <laughs> they better not launch those nukes. Aren't they worried about the radiation? No. Cause if it doesn't work, you're all dead anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this whole movie. <laughs> is people who are supposed to be smart and good at science because you can't become an astronaut and be a moron yes. <laughs> who are just like, have no grasp of anything at all. <laughs> I like when the, they're, they're going to launch the spaceship on their, their mission to save earth. And then one of the engines fails and they basically just give up at that point. They're like, Oh, well, I guess we're not going to launch the, the spaceship and save the earth. And yeah. Then, <laughs> Halle Berry is like, I make the call. I'm just sending everyone home. Yeah. And then everyone goes like, home. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was really just a poorly written excuse to get them by themselves. So that. Yeah. Well, could. because otherwise Samuel Tarley couldn't go on the mission. Yes, exactly. Because there exactly. would be an actual qualified person. <laughs> who isn't a some... conspiracy theorist who turned out to be right somehow. Right. It, do you know if this is a real conspiracy? I didn't get a chance to look it up. 
I've heard of hollow earth theory. Okay. Which is like a similar thing, which I think is just based on Jules Verne where Mm -hmm. like they go to the center of the earth and there are secret like worlds. So I've heard of that. I mean, people still think the world is flat, so I would not be shocked at all if someone thinks that the moon is somehow a Dyson sphere containing a white dwarf, even though the smallest white dwarf is bigger than the moon and it's 100,000 freaking Kelvin, which is 200,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This movie makes no sense. It's so angering to me. <laughs> Someone did more research than the screenwriters, I hear. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's no way. Because I was like, maybe I misunderstood what they're saying. But then they outright say in the exposition dump towards the end of the movie, like, nope, we harnessed stars and put them inside these things. And I'm like, no, you didn't. What? Right, right. Yeah, that that. How is any of this? There's the nanobot swarm that's just like, I don't know, taking the the star to the Eiffel Tower. It's just like gangbanging the the center (laughs) of this thing. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, but how? Wouldn't they melt? What are these things made of? What's happening here? That is true. And then the the humans actually get in there and survive pretty easily as well. Yeah. And there's this whole plot line where they're like, we're wrong about the mass of the moon. And I'm just like, no, that you can calculate. (laughs) This is so stupid. (laughs) Right. Why did you write? Here's one of the things that should be in every uh, screenwriting manual for writing science fiction. Don't explain too much because anyone, I am not an astronomer or a physicist. Mm-hmm. I have just like a passing interest in these things from watching movies and maybe reading a couple books here and there. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense. And it can take anyone out of the movie, especially when you're making a movie that's in our world. This movie takes place firmly on our earth with our it's, rules. It's supposed to be realistic at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Don't explain things. Just say like, it's an alien power source. It doesn't have to be a star. It doesn't have to be a Dyson sphere that's like camouflage as a moon. Why would they even do that? Right, right. The the science is convoluted and the whole history of how the moon came to Earth and how humanity came to Earth is also very convoluted because we're uh, copies of these aliens that was – that is being protected by this moon that is, you know, making our planet habitable because those aliens lost the war with the AI and they had to spread out across the universe to survive. Basically it's, like, it's literally Skynet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is just so convoluted. It's so convoluted, which is like, you know, kind of a cool theory of they had to flee this civilization because of AI. Yeah. But then, you know, why is the AI crashing the moon into Earth? It has all the time in the world. If that was even if that was what was going on, mm-hmm. we have no idea until it starts attacking our stuff. Mm-hmm. So why isn't it just like, OK, I'll kill the moon and then I'll take care of the Earth without alerting them. It is a really stupid AI. <laughs> it is. And there there was a line. I, I can't remember at the moment, but there it's was something kill, about they said, like, it's trying to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, like there was a reason like, it wasn't why? going to the Earth to just kill people, which it could easily have done. After it took care of the moon. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> without alerting humanity at all, it could have just solved its problem. Yeah, yeah, right? you're oh. right. It was trying to do both. Uh, it was yeah, like, there, you know what? I've been doing this for an untold billions of years. I'm really tired of it now. Let's just get it over with. Right. It was like, you're at the home stretch, buddy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, um, 
So let's talk just about Roland Emmerich in general, because this is totally his style of like a whole bunch of people in the midst of this giant sci-fi disaster happening. And you get to watch all the stories unfold. And I've always had a problem with his style because some of these stories are like completely inessential to the main plot of the movie. And they're just kind of side stories for these characters. And maybe you like the characters, maybe not. Not in this movie. There was nobody I cared about surviving in this movie. But I just was from rooting a... for the moon. I was <laughs> rooting for the moon. But My favorite a... part. <laughs> they like open up. They, they go to get the old, old space shuttle from like the 80s. Yeah. And somebody had spray painted fuck the moon on it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, go moon. Get me <laughs> out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I so the yes, there the spectacle of the moon crashing to earth could have been pretty cool. The special effects were a bit lacking, but just the idea of the moon getting close to earth and the gravity changing around is a cool concept. But they do really dumb things with it, like have the characters like make giant leaps of faith above gorges to survive because gravity is sucking them up. Gravity is somehow simultaneously strong enough to like pull giant aircraft carriers. And yet people are just like, oh, I can jump a little further than I'm supposed to. <laughs> right. But yeah, like, they're... meanwhile, there are things like a whole mountain floating above them. And you're just <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's how it would work. Yeah. There, there, there was the, um, that car chase where they were flying, they were driving away from some guys chasing them. And they were driving away from everything that was getting sucked up into the air. And I remember at that point, I was like, okay, this movie has lost me. This is not making any sense. Yeah, because you know what? The cars are lighter than everything else getting sucked up into the sky. So why aren't the cars? Mm -hmm. Roland Emmerich makes all of these disaster movies that are like, he tries to make them kind of scientifically based and like have characters say a whole bunch of sciencey word salad. But he has no concept of how science actually works. Which is the big problem? Like, uh, what was the day after tomorrow? Is that the mm-hmm. Jake the free, Gyllenhaal? The cold one. Yeah, yeah. the cold one. And <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that and being like, "This doesn't make any sense." Mm-hmm. And I'm not a climate scientist, <laughs> right? <laughs> what What is this? Did you have a science class, Alan <laughs> Demerick? Like ever? <laughs> I th- he's just he he likes the spectacle, and uh, I think he's trying to base it in the cursory science, but. But like you said, if you explain too much, then you have questions. And then those questions are pretty obvious in a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. Selective gravitation, kind of like the selective magnetism from Fast 9. <laughs> Fast 9, yeah. The yeah. only flaw in Fast 9. <laughs> yes. Perhaps the only flaw in the entire 9 film run. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it was absurd because it wasn't just like during one scene. It was like every scene where things were flying in the air. This yes, was a and it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. It was like there was an obstacle anytime someone tried to do anything at all. It's like, oh, I have to go downstairs to the lobby. And then like something's going to happen mm-hmm. to stop uh, all these unnecessary scenes of just like, can someone please just make a ham sandwich without a car flying <laughs> through the kitchen? Like, right, wh- right. Why? Why is everything an ordeal? It yeah. was fatiguing watching this movie i was tired (laughs) physically tired of everything going wrong 
And it wasn't just with the people trying to save the moon. It was the people on Earth trying to get to whatever proposed safety they thought they were getting towards. Um, a couple of the characters are the family members of our of our heroes who happen to be uh, traveling together somehow. And, and they, um, there, there's, there's a scene where they get kind of hijacked by some other survivors who want their stuff. And then that, you know, it's just, you're right. It just stuff happens on, there's always something annoying happening. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I honestly did not care if his kid or her kid Mm-hmm. Or the Asian au pair or whatever she was. I have no right. idea. Was that her mm-hmm. roommate? Were they implying a romantic relationship? It was so weird. <laughs> and then the, um, I do like the, uh, the idea of like the oxygen being sucked off the planet. But again, that raises a lot of questions as to how all this works, how this all works. But it's a cool idea. It, there were a lot of cool like things that could have been cool if maybe they were part of a smaller movie. Like maybe mm-hmm. uh, it was just too much. I think I think you hit on the head. It either needed to be a smaller movie or it needed to be something much bigger that elaborated on this whole alien race. Yeah, you know, which There's... is only hit like ten minutes in the movie. There are a lot of characters in this movie. There are a lot of different storylines and themes, and it just mm-hmm. like is continually switching focus. Mm-hmm. And it's not a long, it's two hours and 10 minutes, which is not like no. crazy long. Not for this type of movie. No. But I still feel like I don't know any of these people. Right. Right. I thought the, uh, the actors were game. Um, John Bradley was pretty good as his the conspiracy theorist guy. He was so you know? excited about everything, though. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was fun to watch him just be like this innocent child who was like, "Wow, I'm finally not a crazy person. I'm right about this." Yes, he's like hanging out with his hero, the astronaut that was ostracized. He's like, "Yes, Patrick Wilson and I are friends." Yeah, he's like, "Oh my god, I'm right about the Hollow Moon." <laughs> right. <laughs> I do like his meeting with his uh, conspiracy theorist people. And, you you know, you kind of think for a second, oh, maybe it's a whole group of people that are going to be, you know, have insider knowledge. And now it's just some crazy crackpots. Yeah, who... <laughs> like the rest of them are crazy. Yeah. yeah he just happens to be the only the crazy not... one who's right. The crazy one who's right. Yes. Um, I did kind of think it was funny. The idea that maybe all these conspiracy theorists are right. You know, I, I I almost wanted the movie to be more comedic and go in that direction. Yeah. I think that was the, the other issue I had with this movie is that nobody seemed to know they were in a terrible movie. (laughs) Okay. Like they were all playing this as if it were a serious, good movie that was like going to say or mean something. And it Mm -hmm. was just so awful. I mean, yeah, sometimes you don't know until it's done. And then, you know, Halle Berry is like, let me get my agent on the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He's fired. <laughs> he should be. I was just in John Wick 3, and now you give me Moonfall? <laughs> uh, maybe she thought it was a secret to Skyfall. Did she think it was another Bond movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how they got everybody in this one. <laughs> uh, Patrick Wilson thought he was the new Bond. He's like, what? No. Oh. 
Yep. Yeah. So overall, yeah, it was a typical Roland Emmerich movie. Um, not crafted very well. Like, I don't think he's a good director. Yeah, I don't know that I would say it was typical. I think this is like even worse than at least a lot of the ones that I remember thinking that they had good special effects or like there was some joy in some parts, even if I didn't like the movie overall. This one was just it was a chore. This was work to get through this movie a second time. The first time was like, meh, but I'm on a plane, so I guess it's fine. Yeah, this one I I was just waiting to die. <laughs> wow, I uh, I didn't quite have that bad an experience. I enjoyed well, watching watch it. it. Wait two months and watch it again. Then I probably would have your experience, but I won't do that. <laughs> I got to sit down and watch it and kind of just laugh at how dumb it was. Um, I still rated it one and a half stars. It was not that enjoyable of a bad movie. It was more dumb than fun. I think that's fair. I would maybe give it even just a one star. Mm, okay. And it's wow. so sad because he made some good stuff. Like the first Independence Day. He wrote Stargate to the first Stargate back in 94. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess yeah, that's really good. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, everything I've seen by him has kind of been. I haven't seen Independence Day since it came out when we were 13 or 14 and it was the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> so I'm I don't sure, know if I'm it, sure holds it holds up. up. No, no problem. But everything else I've seen by him has been subpar. You know, 2012, Day After Tomorrow, Godzilla, even uh, White House Down was the worst White House being taken over movie of the year that year. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's right. There were like two in the same year, weren't they? Yeah, Gerard Butler in uh, the other one. Angel Has Fallen, Olympus Has Fallen, whatever it was. Yeah, Angel Has Fallen, yep. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great movie. Well, that one, uh, that was was an enjoyable movie. A Gerard Butler B movie, which is light years ahead of Moonfall. Agreed. So I think uh, this is a good transition into my pick for what I watched, if, if that's cool with you. Yeah, go for it. I watched a Gerard Butler B movie. <laughs> Could you take a guess at what this might be? Is it Geostorm? No, it's not Geostorm. Damn it! <laughs> I watched Greenland. Oh! Greenland is a, a movie about Gerard Butler, who is a fancy... Um, uh, What's he, he builds, he's a structural engineer. And meanwhile, I, I'd buy it. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a comet heading to earth that, you know, you see it on the news in the background as you learn about Gerard Butler being estranged from his wife and, you know, trying to visit his, you know, have some fun with this kid on the kid's birthday. But then the, the comet reports keep getting worse and worse. And then you find out that pieces of the comet have broken off and it's going to hit the earth. And it starts doing that in some very effective, tense scenes. This movie is like tense throughout, um, which is kind of its detriment too. <laughs> but anyway, um, so as this stuff starts happening, Gerard Butler gets a notification that he has been selected, him and his family to be have been selected to be um, 
sheltered by the government because he's a structural engineer. And like he gets this notification at his kid's birthday party where all the parents are like looking at him like, uh, <laughs> could you take us with you? <laughs> and it wrestles with that whole thing of like, what do you do when, you know, you can get your family safety, but everybody else is going to die. Well, if you're Gerard Butler, you probably just punch the comet. <laughs> yes. So it, it, the movie's about him and his wife, which is Marina Buck, Back. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Marina Baccarin? Baccarin? Sure. From Mrs. Deadpool. Deadpool. Yes, Mrs. Deadpool and Firefly. Um, it's uh, them two and their child and just trying to get to this site where they can be sent to safety, uh, which the safe zone happens to be in Greenland, which is where the movie gets its title. And it shows the... Uh, the downfall of humanity in the face of this disaster. This one did what Moonfall didn't do, and it kept the science to a minimum. You just know that pieces of comet are breaking off and are going to hit Earth. Like they don't really explain much else, and it's really just a bunch of asteroid strikes and people rioting and going crazy and trying to steal Gerard Butler's uh, uh, wristband, which allows him to get into the safe zone and. They get separated. His kid gets kidnapped. And, and you know, it's just a lot of that. The movie, though, is very, very uh, dour. It's like exceedingly depressing. Just the state of humanity, the sadness, the intensity of like what's happening. And, you know, Gerard Butler has charisma. He's always fun to watch no matter what he does, I think. But he has to just be like sad sack dad trying to rescue his family in the face of like unending turmoil. And, uh, you know, it's, it was fine. It was fine. It was just a little, I just wish it had a lighter touch really had some good direction when it came to the tense scenes, but just, it was kind of like you said earlier, tiring, on their way to their destination, just is something always happened. It's like, oh, they're getting separated. Oh, now the kid's kidnapped. Oh, now, now someone stole his wristband. Oh, now the plane crashed that they were trying to get on. And like, it's like it's just never ending. <laughs> it's just never ending sequences of desperation. Uh, and if I'm gonna watch a movie like that, I wish it was just like it has to be like one of the has to have like a real craft and skill and character behind it. This one doesn't. It's much better than Moonfall, but it doesn't really rise past like a just a, a watchable, depressing disaster movie. Well, I have the DVD from the library, so I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a fun watch. You know, kind of is, I guess, if you want to see disaster stuff on screen. But a bit of a disappointment. I was hoping for like a solid three star movie which is kind of where Gerard Butler lives, <laughs> but it was, it was less two, two and a half stars. Wow. Well, I have a treat for you because I also watched a Gerard Butler movie. <laughs> I was so excited for a minute. When I thought we finally did it and picked the same oh, movie. Man. We're I getting I closer. Though. I yeah. picked Geostorm. Oh, which right. Awesome. Refresh my mind. Have you seen this? Because I know I, this, I tried to put this on our list and you said no, but I couldn't I, remember if that was because it wasn't free or if um, you had already seen it. No, I had already seen it. And my rule is I need to just watch a new movie. 
So I loved this movie. And I was <laughs> trying to figure out why I loved Geostorm and hated Moonfall. Right. Geostorm's pretty absurd too. It is absurd, but something about the tone of the movie makes me think like the people involved knew they were making it and just had fun making a bad movie. Right. This is like a sci-fi level script made by talented actors who aren't taking, they're taking their roles seriously, but they're not, the film doesn't take itself seriously. Okay. So essentially this is also, uh, now that I think about it, about a literal Skynet. Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> the the uh, story takes place in the future for the film, but in the past for us, because it was made in 2017 and they're like in the year 2019. And I'm like, oh, wow, what a questionable choice to set this two years in the future. <laughs> two, yeah, I know, right? Um, of like just this horrible cascading consequences of climate change. Um, so they devised this satellite system to help them control the weather. Also a conspiracy theory uh, tie in be- to the people who believe that harp, the installation, and in, I believe Alaska um, mm-hmm. controls the weather. Well, this is uh, really happening in this movie. There's uh, this network of satellites. Um, the United, it was an international effort to create this network to basically save the world because there were all of these cataclysmic storms happening um, constantly. And uh, the U.S. is about to give over control to the rest of the world. And um, things start to go wrong with this network of satellites where they're flash freezing villages in Afghanistan and superheating parts of, I believe, was it Hong Kong? Um, So now instead of protecting the Earth, the satellite system is destroying it with these uh, obscene weather events kind of similar to moonfall in the way that Gerard Butler's character is the scientist or whatever. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be a scientist, astronaut, whatever, but he was in charge of building this uh, system of satellites. And because he's such kind of an a-hole to the people who are supposed to be in charge of him in Congress, he kind of gets demoted. His brother is then put in charge of the, (laughs) his little brother, uh, which we are reminded of constantly in the film is put in charge of the project. And then they have to call on him to, to save the satellites and save the, the earth, which is going to enter a geostorm. Which I don't know <laughs> if that's a real thing. Nope. I hope well, it's well, not. Maybe it's probably a it's, theoretical it's thing the, that people thought the of. The theory is if there are enough bad storms at once, they will merge into one giant storm. I think. <laughs> it sounds like just a, a thing that could possibly happen that someone thought of. Yeah, or there's a real thing called a geostorm, and this isn't it, but that's totally okay because it's so much fun. What I remember about this movie is what you said. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but I remember the whole thing about the geostorm wasn't really the main plot. It was the someone trying to take over the weather machines and target various spaces, and the geostorm really didn't need to be a thing to tell that story. It could have just been about the terrorists taking over the weather. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. And I thought that's what was going on in the, the first half. Um, the the thing malfunctions and then they're showing this guy like take the the data from the satellite and then he's sucked into space. There's like this whole shadow conspiracy, which kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because as it turns out, it is the secretary of state 
who is uh, kind of orchestrating this whole plot to kill a bunch of people, uh, including the president and everyone else in line before him mm-hmm. um, using this satellite because he just wants to control it. He doesn't want to give control over to the rest of the world. Right. So, but my question is, how is he doing anything on the satellite? Hmm. I don't remember. I'm sure. Yeah. There's there was some like no answer. And you're just like, you know, there are all these shadowy figures like pushing a guy into traffic because he discovers kind of what's going on. They're using some kind of simulation that they had run of like what would happen. And then like following the simulation to create global havoc so that the countries will be like, we don't want your crappy satellite system. You keep it America. Yeah. 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 It was just so fun. And have you ever noticed that Gerard Butler always looks like he just had oral surgery? Like he's got, <laughs> he's like puffy cheeks or weird cheekbones. <laughs> I can picture that now that you mention it. I have to check it out when I watch yeah. plane in the theater. Probably He's just adorable. <laughs> yeah, and I am definitely going to see plane, which looks like this same thing. It looks yeah. like an intentionally bad, like snakes on a plane. They didn't even bother to put any effort into naming this movie. It's just <laughs> called plane. Right, I know. <laughs> the very the very uh, funny title. People in the theater laughed every time I see that trailer in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I bet it's going to be great because it's going to be yeah. the same thing where it's not taking itself seriously. It's just a fun, dumb movie. My prediction, three stars. <laughs> yeah, this brings me back to, to our discussion um, at the end of the last episode mm. where we were asking, like, how do you rate a movie? Because on the enjoyment scale, I would give this a four or five. But right, this right. is not a well-made movie. No. There are a whole bunch of things that don't make sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> even outside of the science, there's one scene where they're trying to find, like, the drive to see, okay, is this a virus? Like is somebody hacking or is it like a legitimate, they don't know if it's legitimately malfunctioning or if it's Mm -hmm. sabotaged. And they, they get this like case that's stuck in outer space after the explosion that has a drive in it. Why there would be a drive in a window. I don't understand, (laughs) but there's this whole cool scene of like Gerard Butler gripping this like giant metal panel and flying through space that this hard drive is supposed to be in. They have to get the panel back and his suit is malfunctioning, which again, how is the secretary of state malfunctioning his suit from earth when it's never like said that there's anybody else in on this, on the satellite, like you right. need that to be resolved, but I didn't care because it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing flies away into space and they're like, Oh no, we'll never know now. And he's like, Nope, I got the drive right away. Well, why was he fighting so hard to keep the panel that whole time? <laughs> he didn't need it. He right. specifically says, I got the panel when we were free- freeing it from the lines it was caught in. It was a bait and switch of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But so, so, I, uh, so good. The uh, director and writer of this film, Dean Devlin, was also the writer of Independence Day, Godzilla, and Stargate. Wait, what? <laughs> the writer of Geostorm wrote a bunch of movies directed by Roland Emmerich. So, wow, yeah, uh, Universal Soldier as well. And you know, they they are two people who just were together at one point and then just diverged and went completely different directions. I'm sure the rest of his movies are phenomenal. Roland Emmerich, trash. 
<laughs> well, Dean Devlin has only directed two movies. He's written the, all a bunch of Roland Emmerich movies. Uh, Bad Samaritan was the other one he directed, which I don't really know anything about. Hmm. Sounds familiar. It's got David Tennant. But, um, well, I'm really glad you got to see the uh, Geostorm finally. I know it was on your list. It's been on my list for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm so annoyed right now because there was something I wanted to say about it. Now I can't remember. Mm. <sighs> Did it have to do with a storm? Did not. <laughs> was it about that cool scene where his him and his brother were speaking in code? <laughs> oh my god, that was I, brutal, brutally. I, like, what is? I still don't understand. I re, re, I rewound that scene, and I'm still like, what? It was just. I just remember thinking it was like. Emrickism. I just remember thinking, oh well, I don't understand what their code is, but I'm sure they're communicating. Yeah. But then the video recuts itself with the uh, Zazzy Beats character, mm-hmm. who's the fun hacker girl. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her. Hmm. All right. So uh, we did it. Geostorm, Greenland, Moonfall, a lot of disasters, a lot of Gerard Butler. I would argue not enough. Not enough Gerard Butler. We will see more. In fact, you know what? I think uh, season four, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but um, I know for this time, I mean it. We're rebranding ourselves the Butler cast. We're going to call ourselves the Butler did it. And we're just going to watch. Gerard <laughs> the Butler did it. <laughs> I am seriously interested in that. Like for real, not just joking. <laughs> Let's right. do it. Let's. We'll talk. We'll talk off mic on about that one. <laughs> but all right, is there anything, Eric, else that anything else you'd like to talk about before we close up this episode? I don't think so. I'm not going to remember what uh, what I was going to say about Geostorm until we hit stop. So if uh, out of my misery. All right. Well, then let's end it. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Letterbox under Long Monkey. How about you, Eric? You can follow me on Letterboxd under Normal Monkey. (laughs) And check out my other projects at proleary.com. I have no other projects. (laughs) Well, thank you, Eric, for joining. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night and sweet dreams.